So we're moving along in, uh, in Bovavi. We're up to the fifth parak in the second chilek. In uh, the second, we'll call it the second uh, volume of Bovavi. And where we wrapped up the fourth chapter. Last time we were together a couple of weeks ago. And now we're going to begin the fifth chapter. So let's give a quick synopsis of where we're at. So at the end of the previous chapter, we explained that the neshama is awakened through the kaya or through the power of speech. Speech represents life for the body and it represents an expression of the neshama. The neshama without speech can't express itself. And speech is what gives life to the body. That's how Unklis defines when Hashem breathed life into a person and made us a speaking entity. We became a living soul. And it's the bond of the guf with the neshama that created a speaking spirit, which means that true speech is meant to be an expression of the neshama. If it's not true speech, it's, it's chirping of birds. It's just things that we're spewing to get attention, to keep ratings up. But true speech is meant to be a real uh, real expression of the neshama. That's what we established in Perak Dalits. Here we go, with Perak Hei. In order to express and get a deeper understanding of the power of speech, we have to begin by repeating a phrase from the Gemara in Brachas Dav Yudah page 10a. The Gemara says, Just like Hashem fills the entire world, The neshama, the soul, fills the entire body. The entire body is full of neshama. Now, what does this mean? So Bavav is going to give us a, a, a parable a, a, a parable to focus on as we try to understand what this means that the neshama fills the entire body. It's going to give us a, a, a physical parable. A person wears a glove on their hand. So if I wear a glove that fits each f- section for the finger is filled up and the glove in its entirety is filled up. The space of the glove is filled up with the hand. Okay? Now, what do we have? What would happen if, what would happen if, a person has a cut finger. The finger is cut off. What's going to happen to the glove? In the place where that finger should have been. The, the, the finger area will just collapse. Because there's nothing filling it up. Because there's nothing there to keep it strong. There's nothing there to occupy that area of the glove. This is what it means. The neshama... Spreads out and fills up the entire body. What it means, pirushai. Let's explain what this means. Is shechius haneshama, the life of the soul, mispashetas lechol ramachivav. The soul spreads out to all two hundred forty-eight limbs and three hundred sixty-five sinews of a person. And if we were to see chas v'shalom, 
God forbid, a person that has a place in their body that doesn't have life. Now you could think of physical life. There's a part of the body that's that's dead. Or you could say, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can look at a tree, it looks great, but it's considered dead because it's not growing, it's not developing. Yeah? So it could be a part of a person that's not, it's not developing. Yeah, a hand, a leg, any limb. So what's really happening? The depth is the life of the neshama is not spreading to that limb. And since the inner life has now been lost, there's no vitality there. So now this limb is dead with no life. What do we mean over here? What are we trying to say? This that we're saying, the neshama fills the entire body. It spreads out from our fingertips to the tips of our toes, to the tips of our nose, to the top of our hair, to everything. This is a constant thing. This is the shakim kol rega barega. That, that's how our hair grows. And when, as soon as the neshama leaves any part of the body or the entirety of the body, a person passes away. What just happened? The neshama left the body completely. This is what it means. Death. And if the neshama leaves one part of the body... So we consider that dead. Okay. So now listen closely. Listen closely. This is going to be something which as soon as we hear it, it's going to be a new idea. It's going to take us time to percolate this idea in our minds of what, how exactly this works. So I'm going to take this slow. Says the Bovavi as follows. Get ready for this. God breathed his life into us. The soul is full of Hashem. The soul is full of Hashem. So listen closely. Bovavi breaks it down for our minds into being three layers. The innermost layer being HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The middle layer is the neshama. The outer layer is the body. Now, the Rebbein Shalom, who is Echad, is truly the only essence of everything. The essence of you and me. The essence of the speech that we're going through, the minds that we're using, all of the uh, atoms that are all around us. Everything is... Echad. It really all stems back to Akadish Baruch. But there's there's layers where it's kind of it's hidden. You have to find Akadish Baruch. As we said in the beginning of the very first volume of Bovavi, this world is called Olam, world from the expression of Ha'alam, it's hidden. We live in a hidden world. We don't truly see things for what they really are. And what are things really? Akadish Baruch. So let's break this down, says Bovavi, into three, into three steps. Okay? You have the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Neshama, and the Guf. Now the inner essence of everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
Haneshama, what's the soul? Okay, ready for this? Yeah, we say we're, we're really a soul. But Bobby says, by us saying we're really a soul, it really means we're a soul that is there as a cover of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Haneshama malbisha kaviachal. So to speak, the soul is like a garment. It's a covering. It clothes the true essence of Hashem. Vahaguf malbisha sanashama. And then the body clothes the neshama. Sometimes too well. So you have the body which has to be stripped in order to find the neshama. The neshama, so to speak, needs to be stripped to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If a person wants to reach our Creator, Reishis love. first and foremost, he should, we got to first leave the first layer, we have to leave the guf, enter a realm of soul. Once I've entered this realm of neshama, from here on forth, once I've revealed the neshama, now I have a chance to find the path to cling to the creator, which is the inner essence of everything. Okay? Let's pause for a minute. Let's pause. Let's soak this in. Let's take this in. Hashem echad echad. The essence of everything is HaKadosh Baruch Our essence, our truest essence is we're a chilek aleikah mimal. We're in essence, our essence is we're part of HaKadosh Baruch That has to be found by being in touch with the neshama. By knowing the neshama. By revealing the neshama. And then what we call the godliness is just going to be exposed. But now the neshama itself is covered with a layer called a guf, called a body. And the neshama fills the entire body. It's actually what gives vitality to the entire body to a point where if there's any part of the body without vitality, that is a sign the neshama is not there. And death is the neshama not being at all inside of the body. So what does this mean? How do we take this? So says the Pasuk, God breathed into a person and he became a living spirit, he became a living soul. Chazal say, In order to express how to handle this reality, how do I handle this now? So says Bovavi, Chazal say, when Hashem breathed a nefesh chaya into a person, what it means is, when a person exhales, I'm exhaling from within myself. When Hashem exhaled, so to speak, He's exhaling from within Himself, and that created Adam. Adam came from within HaKadosh Baruch Now what happens when we exhale? What happens? So, I want to give a little hint to where we're going. Remember, we were talking about speech. What is speech truly? So I want to give a little scientific breakdown. Speech is really wind. It's an exhale. If I were just to move my lips, you can't hear anything. It's not a speech. You have to read my lips. I had a friend in yeshiva who completely lost 
his ability to use his voice box. So we had a little thing with him. He, uh, the, only, the only word he was able to say was chicken. That was his shtick. That was his shtick. He, he, had, a, he had a sense of humor and he went nabuch. He went for quite a few months. He mamish wasn't able to talk. It was a very, very sad thing. But he, he figured out he could say the word chicken without, without, uh, using, his, uh, without using any air. So he would, he would just he would use the back and front of his mouth and say chicken. Without using his voice box at all, right? But speech, it's it's air coming out, and then how do we make words by opening our mouth, closing our mouth, making different different uh, expressions with the lips and and the teeth and things of that sort? How we how we uh, shape our face that defines and articulates the wind that's coming out of our mouth. Okay, so speech really is an exhale. It's a matter of how that exhale is uh, is broken. So we're going to focus on wind, which really is where speech comes from. So Hashem, ex- a person exhales from within themselves. They're exhaling themselves. When Hashem breathed into a person who is breathing himself. What do we accomplish when we breathe ourselves? When we exhale from ourselves? So listen to this. This is interesting. So if there is something there that the air is going on, Okay, so for example, Nisbaining, let's contemplate B'moshul, this parable. If a person has a, um, when a person uses exhaling, what do you accomplish? So if let's say you have a coal that's a dying ember. You can't see inside the coal. You can't see it. You can't see what's going on in there. But it has the ability for a fire to come forth. Through blowing, through exhaling onto that dying ember. A person could bring out the fire. That's hidden inside this world of gecholim, of colds. It's helim, it's hidden. And bring it out. And this is what happened, he says, when the Rabbi Shalom breathed into Adam... You had this guf, Hashem breathed into it, he actualized the neshama of Adam. He actualized the neshama. So you see, get ready for this, this is, this is such an important layer that Bovavi is going to bring out to us. To awaken the neshama, and to awaken elikus, to awaken godliness, what did Hashem use? An exhale. He used wind. And that exhale that came from within the Rebbeinu came and brought out a potential of the Nisham. Now, all this information does not work in tandem yet because we just said what everything is ultimately Hashem. So what do you mean? Was there a Nisham? Hashem? Seems to be a little confusing. It's going to come full circle. But notice each Nikud and notice each point. The layers and how they work. What happened when Hashem breathed the air, the exhale, into Adam, actualizing the neshama of Adam. Which means, says Bovavi, the same way an Adam became a nefesh chaya, a living entity, through the exhale of the Rebbein so too, 
to constantly awaken the neshama. Who adin the gabi haneshama kedayisha shakol yachid biyachid. If I want to awaken my neshama of an individual haneshama hina metzias gemura, it's going to be. It has to come through a constant awakening that's happening through an exhale. Hashem originally brought life through an exhale, and for my neshama, which is spread throughout my body, to fully function, to be awakened, there's going to have to be exhaling. And that's going to reveal the neshama and give it life. Like a hisiris, this is not just like inspiration. Like a hislavus, this is not being on fire and yeah, I'm all into this. It's not, that's less than what we're saying. His pilots are reaching the of Gadaim or feeling mamish, these incredible feelings. Whenever we feel inspired, excited about something, into something, we have to realize, says Bovavi, these are all byproducts of the neshama being awakened. The, the, the main shayrish, the main root of what's really happening. Why do I feel inspired at times when my neshama is coming alive? Where, where's that extra bounce coming from? It's because of it, 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 it's because of the the discovering and the unveiling of the real existence of the neshama. Okay, so the neshama has to be awakened with breath. And again, what's breath? So going back to the previous chapter, it's going to come through some sort of speech. Let's keep going and let's explain. So what sort of exhale is now going to awaken the neshama? What's happening here? So he says, let's give a parable. You have a group of friends who are schmoozing with each other. When I call them Ruven Shimon Levi Yehuda Yisachar, all nice Jewish names. Five guys standing around, all talking. Okay, I walk up to the group and I say, "Hey, Ruven, who's going to turn around? Shimon? No, it's not me. Who's going to turn around? Only Ruven. Okay, we could all follow that." Yisera Mizu, another example. In a group of people, you find they speak different languages. One guy in the group speaks Hebrew. The second guy speaks Yiddish. The third guy speaks English. And so on and so forth. The whole group of people, they might all have the same name, it doesn't matter. They all speak different languages. Okay, even if you don't call them by name, but you speak a specific language, whoever understands the language is going to turn around. They're the ones who are going to respond. Two examples. Example number one: you call the whoever you call a name, whoever's name it is will turn around. Example number two: you speak a language, one of those who understand your language will turn around. No one else knows to turn around. He says, I'm going to try to bring a lesson from this, even though it's not a great parable that I just gave. It's not adequate. But I'm bringing it down to clarify an idea, to bring out an akuda, which is, anything that you want to call, 
that you want to awaken, you want its attention, you have to call the essence of the matter. If it's appropriate. You can't talk. If you want Shimon's attention, you can't call Ruvain. If you want a person's attention who speaks Yiddish, you can't speak to him in English. You have to speak in a way that makes sense. That that person is going to, it's going to be appropriate. You don't speak to a baby the way you speak to an adult. You have a baby that's five months old. What do you say to the baby? Kuchi kuchi ku. You're going to try to have a conversation with a five-month-old baby? What are you talking about? A baby, what do you want? A baby knows a smile. It knows a coo. It knows a little bit of, uh, you know, cute noises. A baby will recognize that. You start having, you know, uh, just talking to it like it's an adult. The bismuth sugar. What are you doing? And the same thing holds true the other way. You don't speak to an adult like a child. You have to speak to each thing in a language we understand. Anachnu makirim or dibur shal guf. So we primarily understand how the, the how body language works, yeah. But the question is, the question is, what type of language does the neshama understand? And here, Bovavi is going to start clarifying what he's trying to do here. This is incredible. The neshama has to be spoken to. It has to be awakened, exhaled to. But the neshama, Hebra, listen closely, this is beautiful, this is a gem. The neshama, for it to be alive and awakened, needs to hear a language that talks to it. Needs to hear a language it understands. The same way if you want Ruvain's attention, you have to say Ruvain, and it's only Ruvain will turn around. In order for the neshama to be awakened, you have to call the neshama by name, you have to speak its language. And when we speak the language of the neshama, it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. Because it knows what we're talking about. See, any other language, stupidity, whether it's vulgar language, whether it's language that has no purpose, the neshama is not awakened. This is like bird chirping, like we said in Paragdalit. There's no life, there's no vitality given to this. Where does the neshama understand the, the, the steps that Bovavi is allowing us to, to think through? Where life comes from, where it's stemming from, where the exhales from the Rabbani Coming to the neshama, which is a layer of the Rabbani And the neshama is coming alive, but the neshama can only understand the language. We're dealing with, with, with wind, we're dealing with exhaling, with speech. The importance of speech. Well, what sort of speech is neshama take a speech? It's going to have to be a speech that the neshama gets... It's being called to. So now here is the next million dollar question. And that is, So what is the language of the neshama? What sort of language does the neshama understand that we can awaken it with? What are we supposed to say? So let's give... A little bit of an introduction to the answer, and then we'll hold it here. Let's go a little further, so we're not left with a cliffhanger. We have a little bit of taste of taco. What is what? What's the language? What is the speech? That's true life. What's a speech? That's true life. That gives that gives essence and vitality to the neshama. Reveals the neshama so that the rebbeinu 
himself could be revealed. So here we go. Ha'ilam nivra ba'asara mamaris. The world itself was created with speech. It says in the Pasuk in the Torah, and the Torah, the world was created with ten utterances, and the Torah was given with ten utterances, the Ten Commandments. And when it says in the Pasuk, you should speak to the Beis Yaakov, speak to the women, and tell the sons of Israel. So Chazal explained to us, what does it mean speak to the women? Speak to the women gently and softly. What does it mean to tell the men? Harsher. Which means women are spoken to with Amira, with gentle speech. And men are spoken to with harsher speech. Okay. Now, says says, First of all, he says, practically this makes sense. Okay. Isha tivarach. In general, women have more gentle nature. When people have a gentle nature, it's, it's not natural for them to converse with harsh words. A man is more accustomed to more stiffness, more harshness. So he says that's on a simple level. Aval, however, there's something more that Chazal are teaching me, not just speak to each gender their language. There's something much deeper happening here. What's happening here is, as is well known, as we know, the Gemara says, Women have been a Yesera. They have greater intuition. More than a man. Okay? Where does this come from? It means the neshama of a woman is, has a bina yaseira, this ability to build with information. A woman builds with this kaya this power of understanding. And it says in the Pasuk, Nishma shakai tevina, the neshama of the Rebbein Shalom. They have an intuition for. Then bina yaseira nasalinashim, and if women have this bina yaseira, this greater intuition, harikosiv kan yisad gadlos. There's a there's a foundational idea here. Shana shama etzel haisha yaser begolim asher etzelish. The neshama of a woman is more naturally revealed than the neshama of a man. Because it says, Nishma Shakai Tevinam. What is a woman quicker to understand? The Nishama. Where's that Bina? The Nishama of Shakai, so to speak. God doesn't have a soul, but the vitality, the truth of it. He says, We'll get more into this. Sometimes women can be more connected to the physical, sometimes this, but. He says that's a conversation in and of itself, but over here, just look at what Chazal are teaching us. If there's a Bina Yaseira, and Bina comes from Nishma Shakai, the essence of HaKadosh Baruch so that means women are more, more intuitive to this. 
Elu dvarim mefurashim besvarim akadoshim shanashama shal ha nekeva hi yosef begolim asheri shal duchra mamela no man vikan yisrael gadol hashafal shal neshama ilashin raki. He says women are more gentle in nature. A more gentler nature connects us to a bina yisera, which is the revelation of the neshama. Which means vahashafa shal agufi. What's happening is the, the the shefa, the language of the soul is soft, is gentle, and the language of the body, he loshen kasha, is harsher. So we don't know yet what the language of the soul is, but here's a taste of what we're going to get to next week. Again, we have to understand the nature of the neshama because we have to know how to call it, how to talk to it, how to awaken it, how to get it to turn around. Speech is the life of everything. What type of speech? How do we call the neshama? How do we give it life? So Bavavi is starting to bring us over to two types of speech. He says there's a speech which is racha, a speech which is, which is soft. And that speech which is soft, feminine, leads to bina, understanding, intuition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means... The neshama and its language is a soft speech. The neshama is soft-spoken and reacts to soft speech. It turns around with soft speech. The guf, the body, its expression is harsher. Now, what exactly soft speech is, we don't know yet. We're going to think, see, in our minds, what soft speech, talk nicely, Talk softly. These things are true. But there's more to why we talk nice, why we talk soft. What is speech? That I could even call it soft? That I could even call it hard? We're uncovering this precious idea layer by layer. And Bez Hashem will pick up next week with trying to articulate Mahi Lashen Raka. What Taka is gentle speech? What's considered Soft speech. What's a type of speech that the neshama notices so much? We'll hold it here. We'll hold it here for this week. I'd love to keep going weiter, but we're we're over time. And Bez Hashem, next week, same time, hopefully from Yerushalayim, we'll pick up. Uh, we'll pick up from here. We'll take any uh, questions or thoughts.